You need to get files into your edit system, or you need to get a file out of your edit system, or maybe you need to go out to tape for delivery. In any case, check out DigitalServiceStation.com. When we last left our heroes, they were locked into a terribly important discussion. Let's drop in on them again as they plot the future. Now from the Top Dog's Kennel in beautiful downtown Burbank, it's the Terrence and Philip Show. You know, I never get tired of hearing Gary's open. Nope, nope. He may be gone, but he's certainly not forgotten. Yeah. Hi, I'm Terrence Curran. And I'm Philip Hodgetts. And you're listening to The Terrence and Philip Show. And I saw an article this morning that caught my attention, and I'm springing it on Philip right now. According to new research figures, TV still holds the top spot in tech devices. The Consumer Technology Association reports that 96% of U.S. homes have at least one television, while 80% have a smartphone. However, the total number of TV sets, 308 million, was down 3%, while the number of homes with smartphones jumped 6%. So... What I find interesting about this, Philip, is that if you read just the headline, it makes it sound like, oh, you know, everybody's still watching TV and don't have to worry about it. But if you really look at what's going on here, (laughs) and then owning a TV doesn't mean you're watching it. No, no. Or subscribing to a cable service doesn't mean you're actually using it. Uh, Yeah. And I'm watching the shift all around me. Well, I haven't cut the cord because it doesn't make sense financially for me. When I look at the channels that I do watch and that I'd have to pay for individually and add them up and then add up internet that I'd have to get anyways, da 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 da. And then the phone that I have at home, you know, because yeah, I'm old school. I still have an analog landline just in case. When I add all of that stuff up, it's cheaper just to get the cable subscription that has the package, yeah. you know. But I do understand, you know, I don't watch, I can't think of anything I watch live. Anymore, uh, look, you know. Yeah, as I said, we pay for a fifty or sixty channel cable service. I've watched it exactly once in the sixteen months that we've had that service. So watching live television is such a terrible, yes, terrible. Can I repeat that several yes. many more times? Terrible te- yes. experience. Yes, underscored that I just cannot abide it. It's I just yeah. It's no. It's horrible. It's a horrible experience. And but, but you know, a lot of the cha- cable channels are getting not just cable, but a lot of the channels are getting smart. So if you have a cable, like I have the cable subscription. If you have the HBO subscription, then you can use the HBO app. Yeah. If you have the you know Showtime, et cetera, et cetera. So all of a sudden, even though I don't want to have to sit there at a predetermined time to watch a movie on HBO, yeah. I can watch it whenever I want because yeah. I have the HBO app. Yeah. And so now I can stream it through the Roku or Apple TV or whatever. Except for you. You go to the CBS app and it sucks. I didn't say they're. <laughs> I said they're getting it. Yeah, they're, they're not there yet, but no. they're getting it. But uh, you know, CBS is an interesting one. I think it's CBS, isn't CBS? Yeah, CBS is the one who's doing the new Star Trek show, right? Let's say that they've done it in the past, so I guess they own the franchise. Yeah, so they're going to do like three or four episodes you can watch just on CBS right. broadcast, and then after that, you have to go to their paid subscription model to see the rest. So they're going to try to you know hook people in and get them over that way. And Greg was frustrated on the night of the Editor's Lounge. He watched Drag Race live. Uh huh. And then it's like, what the hell happened? I really want to see the, you know, Untucked, the backstage second screen stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I can't get that straight away. I have to wait. Oh. It, wasn't, it wasn't available. Whoa. <laughs> oh. It's a time delay. And there's no VH1 app that you can get into with your cable subscription. So, yeah. yeah it was, so, it, but we see where we're going. Yeah, yeah. 
And once you get there, it's actually more convenient. Why would you ever watch it live when you can watch it when you, you want to watch, watch it, it yeah. where you want to watch it, but how it, you want to watch at it? At least if I'm paying a cable subscription, I can feel reasonably comfortable about programming regardless of where it comes from because right. I am paying for the programming even if I don't get it in the way I hate from the, right. the official provider. Right, exactly. You so, know? so that's how we are. And we, you know, while maybe are a little more advanced than a lot of people, you know, in, in our age demographic, the kids coming up, yeah. not so much the same way. I have a set of control group, different control groups that I watch around me, you uh-huh. know, associated. My kids, other kids, other people's kids, etc. And my kids are biased by the fact that because I want to watch a movie on mm. you know my large screen TV with surround sound etc that's how they've grown up so they've gotten used to that experience but they still use mm-hmm. they watch stuff on you know the phones etc the pads uh, grandkids definitely watch stuff on the iPads a lot other people's kids in that age range are far more watching on something else than a television set. Mm-hmm. That's my experience. So that's non-scientific, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but that's what I am seeing directly around me. These surveys that, are done to make the TV executives and the companies that own them feel good about what's going on, when they should be feeling scared as hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they should be frightened out of their pants because... Well, CBS, there's your yeah, perfect example. Yeah. The the obvious way for them to go is to make a really good app so people still want to watch CBS regardless of how they're getting it. So I can go back and watch every episode of, say, Big Bang Theory that's been broadcast. Right. On my schedule or any episode of, I don't know, whatever else is on CBS. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's how much we watch. But until they do that, I think they're going to be contributing to their own death long term. Mm -hmm. Now, it's a slow downward spiral, but certainly cable companies are getting significant customer losses quarter by quarter. Yes, yeah, they are. It's going down. So even though there's a TV there, increasingly I think the takeaway is that either they're not only watching over the air or they're getting services somewhere else like Netflix over the internet connection, not from their cable provider. Now, often that's the same company. Yeah, I was going to say that's the problem is to get internet. Yeah. You often have to go with cable because that's the solution. You know, it's cable or phone company generally. Although, interestingly, that's somewhat of an American anomaly because of the extremely high penetration of cable. Mm-hmm. Wireless internet is almost ubiquitous in Australia. You know, it's a little bit of DSL. Mm-hmm. But what kind of bandwidth do you get on that? Uh, decent. And um, then for upload? I, mean, uh, I forget what we had when we were there, but we were getting over a gig down. We are getting about 100 meg down and probably five up on a oh. turning little device like this that, you know, okay, yes, it's $30 for four gigabytes. So mm. it's relatively expensive, particularly ad hoc pay in advance as we were doing, no contract. Mm-hmm. But it was a perfect solution to, you know, my mum has, I guess it's phone company provided mm-hmm. um, internet, but she's like on a two gig a month limit. Oh, wow. <laughs> and in, in one month, we used about 14 gig between Greg and I. Yeah, I was going to say, that's nothing. Yeah, so the US is a bit of an anomaly with the close association of cable and mm-hmm. internet. Sydney, certainly in the capital cities where there is some cable, uh, limited cable, there is um, better internet than the rest of the country enjoys. Mm-hmm. I do remember before we moved here having to drive down to our friend Kay and Tristan's place in Sydney before because they had cable to get a decent upload speed to send a copy of the DV Companion to to the US. To, and mm-hmm. we, had to, we had to break it down into chunks that would be like, because if we went over 30 megabytes, it would stop uploading. <laughs> <laughs> Probably intentionally. Yeah, yeah so, I'm sure it was, yeah. So we had to use one of those 
backup tools that would chunk it into 30 megabyte zips and then upload those and then have them put together at the other end. Oh, the joys of things we no longer have to worry about. Oh, yeah. And now we have, you know, in the country where we live, mm-hmm. on the edge of the city, we have great internet. I wouldn't call that the country where you live, but okay. Well, it's out of the city. So you get cable, obviously. Yeah, but not everybody in our development can. Oh. You know, there's 170 houses in a relatively small space. Mm-hmm. Some people have full cable and full cable internet, mm-hmm. and next door, two doors up, they can just get fairly poor DSL service from AT&T. So the cable is never run to those houses? The cable that... To run the cable to those houses would have to go over other people's yards. Oh. And they won't let them. And it's not, it's not important enough to have an over writing, you know, eminent domain going on. Mm-hmm. So even in modern rural, or Chatsworth, if you want to consider it that way, mm-hmm. not everyone can get cable because of the way this developed. Not everyone can has a clear line to the pole. Fortunately, we did. So we were a serviceable address. <laughs> I'm thinking of all kinds of really funny stereotypes about, <laughs> I want to use on you about where you live, but I'll say that for another time. <laughs> yeah. It has its advantages and it has its disadvantages. <laughs> and ding, 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 ding. <laughs> <laughs> it's more, round our place is more like a beep, beep, mm. beep, beep from the backing oh, yeah. up heavy machinery oh, across yeah. the game. <laughs> <laughs> the joys of, of terraforming. Yeah. Uh, so... <clears throat> So the, what else can we talk about? Not, about e- that? not everybody, not everybody has the advantage of a TV. Not everybody who has a TV in their home is using it in the classic way of appointment television. Yeah, I'm certainly not. No, so it's a little bit. Give us a result. Give us a survey that will make us feel comfortable about our future. Mm. It's very misleading. That's what I thought. Very misleading. Because what's happening is, at most, a short-term phenomena. Yeah, well, my parents are never going to change from watching appointment TV. No, no, but, nor, nor my but, mother. But. Right, but God bless them. We're not looking at, you know, 50 years of that model. So no. and that's not- a diminishing audience, not a growing audience. Yeah, indeed. And it's, it is very much a generational shift. Yes, that we're seeing. And if you're in the business of providing that, you need to be worried. You know, it's yeah. a constantly shifting business, and it always has been, but just that the rate of change is getting faster. I don't even know how to use any of that to improve my future viability. No, no, you know? no. You know, from our perspective, we see certain apps slowly dwindle in prominence or, and income. Mm-hmm. And we see others unexpectedly go up. We see some that we expect to have been end of life, like Sequence Clip Reporter for Final Cut Pro 7. Mm-hmm. Is Still do- going? Is doing great guns because <laughs> Premiere Pro produces the same XML. With, oh. If we, we made some tweaks to make sure it reported accurately. Mm-hmm. And we added, because Adobe asked, we added reporting from bins into there, which had never in that oh. app before. Okay. So people could do dailies on <coughs> films. <laughs> <laughs> Films. Yeah. (laughs) But there's no real way of reliably predicting that to plan for it other than say, well, you know, 7 to 10, 10 to 10, we didn't expect to have any existence in any life five years down the track. So every penny we get from that now is kind of bonus. It's it's overall it's made its revenue goals. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's their anomalies. I mean, it's only thanks to Wes that we even have that. Oh, yeah, that's because, a good point. You know, he in, had, no. had Wes and Automatic Duck not gone to Adobe, then they would have been the logical choice to do the 7 to 10 right. translation software because uh, they had you know had a lot more experience. Mm-hmm. But being sloppy seconds, it worked very well for us. <laughs> 
What a nice way to put it. Well, <laughs> I'm fully aware that we were the second choice. Click a few simple checkboxes while you're on the shoot and you'll be more organised than you ever thought possible and have a head start on editing if you use Final Cut Pro 10. If you want these benefits, head to lumberjacksystem.com. So back to the subject. If we look at this and go, where does this put us going forward? I mean... People are not watching appointment television. That's fine. That doesn't really matter as long as they're watching the stuff we produce. There's a lot more, massively more options of seeing stuff out there. I guess for me, the biggest challenge, the biggest question, the biggest concern going forward is how do you get what you work on, what you produce, to even get seen in this gigantic sea of stuff? You know, If you're not doing the $250 million studio film, you're just part of billions of hours of stuff that's available out there in the ether. I suspect that most material that's made gets very small audiences, sometimes intentionally, sometimes not intentionally. Another survey that I wrote about during the week was about elementary school students who were asked what they wanted to be when they grew up. Mm -hmm. And the top hit was a YouTube star. Oh, my God. Now, let's be fair in saying that the top ten all had some variation on rich and famous. Mm -hmm. But the fact that number one way of getting to be rich and famous is as a YouTube star in these kids' minds anyway, Mm -hmm. is a real sea change, I think, because, you know, movie star or TV star would have been the equivalent a few years back. Right. Or rocket scientist or train driver. Which was much less approachable than being a YouTube star is. Now, being a YouTube star is still a crapshoot. I mean, there were... Well, well, yeah, but anybody can shoot and upload to YouTube. Yeah. So everybody has access. It's everybody. Like, you know, when we were growing up, if you wanted to be that actor, you would have to go to Hollywood and get discovered. Yeah. Right? That was the, the And Hollywood trope. can only use so many baristas. Exactly. <laughs> and getting to Hollywood from anywhere else on the planet is not necessarily yeah. easy. Where, but where? everybody has access to YouTube. Everybody can create their own YouTube channel. Everybody can upload stuff. So it's much more approachable possibility in the mind yeah. of, of, of a younger person. I could see why that's... And my, my niece goes to YouTube to look for musicians, for music that she likes. She doesn't go to iTunes, she goes to YouTube hmm. because that's where she finds pop artists that she likes. And you don't have to pay for it. Oh, no, but you... Well, on iTunes, you would have to pay for it. If you well, she subscribed to Apple Music anyway, so... Oh, okay. But the problem with iTunes and pop music is that most of it is so similar. Yeah. And because, you know, the same, you know, probably dozen producers produce most of the major pop artists, mm-hmm. and they get the same sound, whereas somebody who's been in control of their career for themselves since the time they created their YouTube channel at 13... You know, as Troy Savan says, it was an outlet for a geeky gay kid in Perth, Australia, <laughs> to find something to do. Mm-hmm. Now he's built a career on that. He's got a successful album through iTunes. But the big, big difference between this randomness discovering now is that Troy Savan and all these other YouTube stars own their masters. Yeah. They own their audience. That's a huge difference. Which means that they can be in control of their career. Mm -hmm. They can be in control of their sound. They are not going to be pushed into sounding like the next boom. Right. And they'll actually make the money they make. Yeah. As opposed to the record company making the money that... That, that, yeah, that the artist never makes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're arriving with no studio cost because you've recorded it all in your bedroom. Mm -hmm. Um, Or you've gone to a studio that's cheap in the local area. You've got your own audience. You've got you control your destiny. If you want to do a collaboration with somebody, and there's no studio executive to say we can't negotiate that, mm-hmm. it just comes out. And you know, um, Troy Savan had a new collaboration this week, last week with a, a Dutch DJ, and it went into the top twenty um, between Spotify and iTunes within a day. I wonder how much money he's making. 
Um, I'd say enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you don't have to sell a lot of tracks. I mean, if you've got, uh, I'd have to look up the exact numbers, but I think he's got a couple of million subscribers on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And his stuff has been um, seen. I put it all into an article at philiphodges.com um, oh. during the week. So, for example, Troy Sivan, I'm just talking about, has over 4 million subscribers and over 241 million total views. Wow. Now, even at YouTube's rather poor monetization, if there was no other revenue, then I would say that he's probably doing okay just from YouTube. Mm -hmm. Um, But the fact that he's had an album out that sold reasonably well, you know, a successful EP was his first release, and then he's got an album. Ricky Dillon, another self-made YouTube star, 3 million subscribers, 270 million views. Trevor Moran, who's Moran, who's just new on the scene, has only got a million subscribers. Um, Benny, uh, Ben J. Pierce, has over 3,000 views on a music video that he did when he was 15 on gender identity. Wow. And he wrote it. I don't know if he shot it himself, but he supervised it. He edited it, mm-hmm. put the props together. You know, these kids are making their own music videos as well. Let's not forget that this is the new face of democratised video production. Right, right. Part of this. Uh, Grayson Chance was, uh, had his first video made when he was 13 and has now had over 59 million views. Alex Goot, 2 million subscribers and over 330 million views. Yeah, of course, we don't know what you make after that, but with that many people, you're making... If you made a tenth of a penny of you. Yeah. I'm trying to do the math in my head. Was that 3,000 bucks? No, a million. A tenth of a penny on a million is still 10,000. So 330 million is 330,000. So that's 3.3 million. Yeah, two decimal places back. (laughs) Or maybe it was 300,000. I'm really bad with these factors of 10. Yeah, yeah, but exactly. it's still it's still even at a very low monetization. That's still the Spotify rates. They still make a decent amount of money, and certainly YouTube is better than Spotify. Do, do you know what the YouTube rates are? I don't off the top of my head. Yeah, I don't either. But there are a lot of people making more than a hundred thousand dollars a year off YouTube. I don't know if you can even find that. No, easily. they're pretty. Um, well, and then there's also ads. If you do ad placement, you get yeah. more, right? Yeah. So, but I mean, like, plus again, PewDiePie makes millions, right? As, mm-hmm. as I understand it, yeah, and so. Obviously, you can. Yes, yes, you can. And, but if you own your career, then you're yeah. going to get a better deal when you do get you know, iTunes distribution and EMI and those pick up your record. They take their percentage, but they take yeah. the dis- distributor's percentage, not the traditional, the record company owns you and right. everything you do percentage. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're, you're a much better negotiating yeah, point yeah. walking in with an audience already dedicated to you than you are, hey, can you create my career? Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's that satisfaction, too, that you are much more in control of your career mm-hmm. than somebody who went down that classic Hollywood route. You know, some of them have had mainstream success as well. The Troy Savannah's was young Wolverine in one of them. It's a Marvel universe? Wolverine's? Whichever well, universe yeah, that Marvel, is in. Yeah. Well, that was lucky. <laughs> lucky guess. <laughs> and a pivotal role in three other movies. So mm-hmm. he's not exactly unrecognized talent. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's self-made in that talent. And that's I think that's great. And their sounds are individual. I just bought some extra Grace and Chance stuff and Ricky Dillon this last two weeks, and I'm, I'm not yet sure who's singing what, because each <laughs> of the, they don't sound like Ricky Dillon. They don't sound like Grace and Chance. Okay. Uh, they sound like a new track from that person, but that each track has its own unique sound. So Phillips being all cutting edge hip with the music now. Well, you've got to learn modern <laughs> current music so you'll have something to sing at karaoke in 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but it is true that I've bought more music in the last three years than I have in the entire rest of my life. So <laughs> it all balances out. Is that because you started singing? Yes. 
basically just because I started singing because I was very bad at karaoke and being a little type A, I don't like being very bad at anything. I guess that's why you took waltzing lessons. Because <laughs> <laughs> you didn't want to be bad when you got up on the dance floor. Yep, that's true. <laughs> so, you know, I started finding singing teaching here in Burbank, April Lindsay, letthevoiceout.com. You might as well have the full ad. <laughs> and she's great. She's just so encouraging in the first, you know, year when I'm just terrible. Mm-hmm. And it's just let the voice out, just get something out. And when she gets something out, we can tune it until, mm-hmm. you, until you get the confidence of getting your voice out. Mm-hmm. And as I said and repeatedly in these shows, if you're not prepared to suck at something, you are never going to get any better. Yeah. You, you were talking about, you know, student films. People who were not prepared to suck made nothing. Right. You know, you may not have sucked on everything you did, but you were prepared to in order <laughs> to just get something made. And yeah. that's part of learning something new is sucking at it for a while and thinking you're never going to get there. But perseverance generally will. And now that we have the tools that make this possible, we don't run into these impossible barriers that we used to have. You know, when it, when it cost $100,000 to make even the simplest film, whether it was actually film or videotape, so few people could get access to that. And now now we have 12 HD cameras in our house. Yes. Have, <laughs> we, yes. Everybody has the tool set. Yeah. It, it doesn't mean they all know how to use it or should, but it is – well. And you, 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 you go back to our old uh, um, uh, video is the new literacy. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Video is just new literacy and the tools that we're getting – which we talked about in another show, where these cognitive services and machine learning tools that we're getting yeah. will make the hard parts easier for people who need them to be easier. Mm-hmm. You know, emotionally compelling stories will probably come out of some sort of AI in my lifetime, but not a feature film, not a corporate documentary, I don't think. Depends but, on how long we live. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I figure at least 30 more years. Yeah, and so it could happen. It, yeah, you know, it's, it's how long we live, and in, in, is there another giant technological leap that we don't? Thirty years foresee. ago, there was no internet. Yeah, exactly. You know, just yeah. got to keep that in perspective. Thirty yes, years, exactly. Thirty years ago, if you wanted to find out the latest computer news, you had to wait for a three-month-old magazine to arrive in Australia by boat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Mac World came by boat, and we got about three months after it was published in the United States. Yeah. Now. There's not a lot of point going to NAB because most of the announcements are available online. Journalists go to colour pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, and the serendipity, I guess, is the other reason to go. But television is thought to be still in every house, and it is, but the way people are viewing it is changing much faster than you might think. And if the networks that exist don't wise up quick or get a little better at what they're you know, shifting over to this new universe... We'll be watching different networks. <laughs> exactly. We'll be watching Netflix and Amazon and Google and Facebook shows rather than CBS, NBC, and ABC and Fox shows. Yeah. And what will it really matter? No, because no. it's just who's got the best content. And people who are producing content are still going to produce content. There you go. <laughs> so here focus, we are. <laughs> focus on the future. Don't expect the past to stay the same in the future because if you do, you'll be sadly mistaken and that will be bad. Thank you for listening. If you want to smooth out your workflow, translate between Final Cut Pro 10 and Premiere Pro or even legacy Final Cut Pro, or want to synchronize multiple sources at once based on time code, or do the sort of reporting that everybody has to do, then head over to assistededitingcom or intelligentassistance.com.